0: Hello, and welcome to Horror Wars. My name is Lamont, and I will be guiding you through this macabre dance of a show where two longtime friends put horror movies against their inevitable remake. Please be aware that horror movies, as a general rule of thumb, have violence, gore, murder, rape, dismemberment, crazy practical effects, and much more. Also, the hosts aren't versed in languages from around the world, so they may mess up some names and places here and there. If none of that bothers you, then get ready for a podcast like none other. This is Horror Wars.
1: There to all of our guys, gals, non binary pals, spooky cuties, hair raising homies, freaks, geeks, and anything in between with a motherfucking butthole. I'm Rob. I'm Josh. And this is.
2: Horror Wars! Wars.
1: We are the show that puts original horror movies against their remakes in an all out war to determine which will reign supreme. We do this with a series of scores that we give to one and the other to see who comes out on top. This week, we have Black Christmas from 1974 versus Black Christmas from 2019.
2: Not only that, but we also have multiple segments throughout the show as well. Death pedaling is where we usually discuss current events going on in the world of horror, provided by macabdaily.com. And sometimes, big news about us, too. Like
1: today, <laughs> we were officially supposed to announce Sam Haines Havoc 3, but we have to cancel it. It's canceled. Sam Haines Havoc 3 is canceled um but we have a very awesome reason as to why though can't wait to get into it
2: now where were we that's right horror club horror club is where we review a horror film book club style and we will provide a bit of background before giving it a grading of pass rent or buy this week we take a look at krampus from 2015 and then we get into our list of doom where we discuss the episode's top five. This episode, our list is top five Christmas horror films.
1: I'm really excited about that one. (laughs) Then we follow that with the horrors of gaming, where we talk about horror-related games. On this episode, we're discussing the trend-setting and unsung legend of an entire generation, Parasite Eve from 1988. No, 1998, not 1988. (laughs) Jesus goddamn Christ, I was four. Uh, Finally, we... (laughs) (laughs) We may close
2: up shop with the previous segment for the episode if we don't have bloopers. If we do, there will be a segment called Even the Dead Laugh. So we'll all that out of the way. Let's get into it. Woo! It's good
1: to be back.
0: Death peddling. We begin the show by wedding your macabre loving black heart with news and events in the realm of horror that are important to the week we're recording. Also, every now and again, we'll have something to say regarding the host but don't worry it's not very often we really hate talking about ourselves
2: hello i'm gail hailstorm author of the book you're dead i'm rich a small college town is in shock after the unthinkable has happened a brutal killing spree that left one team dead
3: that's it two teens dead and this small town shaken and stirred it's times like these
2: Police are combing the area for clues. It seems there are no witnesses available at
0: this time. There are no suspects in forward.
3: custody. Police are asking anyone to come forward.
0: Report live for Black TV. White folks are dead. We're getting the fuck out of here. Let's roll, Jack. Let's go, motherfucker. Go, go.
1: Oh yeah, it's time for the news. We get all of our inside scoop of blood and guts from macabredaily.com. Just to let you know. So we've been gone
2: for a bit, and a lot of things have changed. When we were last here, the strikes in Hollywood were ongoing, and honestly, there didn't seem to be an end in sight. But as the fates would have it, everything is back up and running again, and has been for almost two weeks.
1: That in its own right is pretty dope. We didn't think we'd be having all this news today, but here we are, and I'll lead off with the first story. So, Neil Gaiman's The Sandman resumes production on Netflix and celebrates 35 years of the groundbreaking series. After the SAG-AFTRA and WGA strikes resulted in a lengthy hiatus, Netflix's adaptation of Neil Gaiman's The Sandman officially redooms, resumes production this week, and the announcement comes 35 years to the day after the first issue of the Seminole Comics series was published. Gaiman had the following to say about the new season, as well as the comic's 35th anniversary. We never know where our dreams will take us. 35 years ago today, the first issue of Sandman released and set many people and characters on paths that seemed, even at the time, so unlikely as to be impossible. Back then, most comics featured superheroes. Sandman wasn't that. Wasn't like anything else. But magically, the magic consisting of hard work, youthful overconfidence, and some key people who believed in the vision, we were given the opportunity to tell the story I had in my head and bring Morpheus and the rest of the Endless to life. Bye.
2: Samuel Santiago. I thought you were going to do it. (laughs) No, no, man. (laughs) So, I already forgot how to say it. Fede? Fede Alvarez has an upcoming alien movie that takes place between Ridley Scott's alien and James Cameron's aliens. That sounds cool. Yes, it does. Uh, There isn't much we know about the upcoming Fede Alvarez alien film. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Nice. But we have got some news that makes (laughs) us pretty hopeful. First up is that the film now has a release date of August 16th, 2024. That's
1: cool. Mm -hmm.
2: And according to star Kaylee... Spaney. Yep. Uh, The Craft Legacy, Pacific Rim Uprising, in a new chat with Variety, the untitled Alien movie takes place in between the first two films. It's supposed to slot in between the first movie and the second movie. Spaney. Spaney tells the outlet. (laughs) They brought the same team from Aliens, the James Cameron film. Uh, The same people who built those Xenomorphs actually came on and built ours. Oh, shit. Yeah, man. Uh, So getting to see the original design with the original people who had been working on these films for 45-plus years and has been so much of their life been really incredible. The project has been described as an original standalone feature, one that will focus on a group of young people on a distant world. (laughs) Spainy. Leads the cast alongside Isabella Merced? Merced? David Johnson... Archie Renox.
1: Renault.
2: Renault, sure. Uh, Spike Fern and Aileen Wu. Yeah. By Samuel Santiago.
1: <laughs> um, This one's going to be rough for me. Because also while we were gone, a lot of shit happened for Scream 7 in like the worst way possible. Oh no. Um... So I'm just going to read everything as it's been. So, New report sheds light on the future for Scream 7. Things have been looking bleak for the future of the Scream franchise as both stars of the franchise now, Melissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega, are seemingly out of the project for various reasons. So what can we expect from Scream 7? A little background first, though. Barrera was fired from the production by Spyglass while when it was announced earlier yesterday that or- Ortega is no longer attached to reprise her own role from the previous two movies due to scheduling conflicts with season two of Wednesday for Netflix, and Variety brings a bit more clarity to the behind-the-scenes chaos in a brand-new report. Variety details, it seemed to some fans like the planned sequel was collapsing in real time. However, even before Barrera was fired, plans for the next screen were being retooled. Ortega's exit had required the creative team to make some alterations, according to individuals with knowledge. But there were still hopes that the actress might be convinced to come back for some sort of cameo. That no longer seems to be in the cards. Another source familiar with the franchise disputed this, saying Ortega was never in the mix for a new film, oh, for the new film. Bye, Samuel Santiago.
2: now we're getting into uh some video games in a sense yeah so prime's prime videos fallout series reveals first images of the wasteland and more the world of fallout is getting the series treatment from prime video and this morning we have your first look at the series fallout is set to premiere on prime on april 12th 2024
1: oh wow yeah we're close
2: uh vanity fair gives us a first look at the upcoming series with an exclusive preview piece this morning which is packed with both insightful and official images from the series. The website details the series. A nuclear war breaks out across Earth in the year 2077, an era of robots, hover cars, and a deep and abiding nostalgia for the America of the 1940s. After the incendiary mushroom clouds, the story flashes forward 219 years. How did humanity fare over the blighted two centuries? Lucy, played by Yellow Jacket star Ella Purnell, has no clue. She has lived her (laughs) entire life inside a subterranean vault, where every need and want has been satisfied while generations and generations await the day when it is safe to the surface. When a crisis forces Lucy to venture above a rescue mission, she finds that the planet above remains a hellscape crawling with giant insects, ferocious uh, mutant animal abominations, and a human population of sun (laughs) baked miscreants. (laughs) Vanity Fair continues. The Fallout TV series from... Amazon Studios, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy Kilter Films, and Bethesda Game Studios and Bethesda Softworks. (sighs) Jesus. Uh, Jonathan Nolan will direct the show's premiere episode. Showrunners for the series will be Geneva Robertson-Dwarrette?
1: Yeah, Dwarrette.
2: And Graham Wagner. Deadline has recently reported the, the world of Fallout is one where the future envisioned by America in the late 1940s explodes upon itself through a nuclear war in 2077. The magic of the Fallout world is the harshness of the wasteland set against the previous generation's utopian idea of a better world through nuclear energy. <sighs> by Samuel Santiago.
1: For more horror news, reviews, articles, interviews, and so much more, visit macabdaily.com today and every day. They are the dark side of pop culture. Oh, yes. Now, with the news done. As we said earlier in the show, we have to cancel Sam Haines Havoc 3 for 2023. We wanted to get it done, mm-hmm. but the only place that we could really do it was the flea market mm-hmm. and trying to do an event in december in the fucking cold in the flea market
2: mm-hmm.
1: we would have wanted to hurt ourselves in game um so i found out about this thing called the south jersey geek fest which is a um overall convention here in New Jersey um, takes place in Woodbury and we will be there for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So March 30th, 2024 and October 26th, 2024, we will be at South Jersey geek fest and the March show will be completely new. It'll be a, a spring theme show because it is going to be the day before Easter Mm-hmm. And Sam Haynes Havoc three will happen October 26, twenty twenty four. So that will continue our fall excuse me, show. Um we will have the venue where our booth is going to be, maybe a little bit more news about a panel or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there might be something going on with that. State dude. So, yeah, stay tuned. Um, But we are locked in. We have a booth, March 30th, 2024, South Jersey Geek Fest. Tickets are on sale. Um, I don't know the price offhand, but once all the information really does become available, we will have everything and we'll be promoting the shit out of it like normal. Yep. So, woohoo. Why don't we go ahead and uh, get to doing what we like to do here? Oh, yes. (laughs)
0: the war, the reason everyone's here. This is the main segment of our show. We put a horror film against its remake. We go stat for stat, financials, facts, where to watch, synopsis, cast, and everything in between. Afterwards, we grade them both on a scorecard, we tally up those results, and we see who wins the day.
3: No, Claire, that's the Mormon Tabernacle Choir doing their annual obscene phone call.
2: turvert, why don't you go over to Lambakai? They could use a little of this.
3: Oh, no, piggy cut. You want my fat cocktail.
2: Oh, don't why you? don't you go find a wall socket and stick your tongue in it? That'll give you a charge. I'll stick
3: Strikes again, fastest tongue in the west.
1: Then, welcome to the war. Yeah, it's been a long time since we heard that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. We shouldn't have left you <laughs> As with every episode, we're going to tell you where we get all of our glorious information from. We source pieces from Wikipedia, IMDb, Just Watch, and Rotten Tomatoes mainly. Sometimes we have to dig a little deeper, but we shout out where we get that info from when applicable.
2: Also, when we give the information on where to watch these films, please keep in mind that they may not be available on those services by the time you may listen to the episode, so please head to Just Watch for all your viewing needs.
1: With that being said, let's break down how we go about scoring these movies to determine our winner. We go through the stats, the crew, the cast, the runtime, and everything in between to get our results. At the end, we discuss our reasoning for where we place the points and why in a series of 11 categories. They are acting, directing, writing slash plot, killer or killers, casting, soundtrack, gore slash kills, pacing, time period, environment, and finally, the ending.
2: And as Lamont said in the intro of this segment, we tally up our individual scores, combine them, and the one with the highest score wins the day. And after that, we send it off to all of you and let you vote in our poll on Instagram after every episode is posted. Now, with all of that out of the way, it's time for the war. Yeah.
3: gathered in their masses just like witches at black
0: masses the fields of bodies burning as the war machine keeps turning
3: minds are plot destruction
1: forever and always so as is becoming tradition here on horror wars we are going to discuss the poll from instagram and yes it has been a month but Mm -hmm. (laughs) but we do know who won the last poll and crazy enough the banana splits movie won the poll Because people actually felt like the Banana Splits movie was creepier Mm -hmm. than Willy's Wonderland. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I agree with that. Now, on to this one. We are doing Black Christmas versus Black Christmas. And, man, oh, man, are these movies different from each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Holy shit.
1: (laughs) So, I'm going to be leading off festivities with the OG Black Christmas. Um, all three of the movies today, by the way, share one thing in common. But I'm not going to say what. And if you don't get it, it's okay. It's fine. This isn't a test or anything. I'm just going to talk about it later on. Okay. So, unless you can figure it out. <laughs> so, um, the movie name, Black Christmas. Black Christmas. Runtime, 1 hour 38 minutes. Release date, December 20th, 1974. Produced by Bob Clark. Production companies, Film Funding Limited, Vision 4, Canadian Film Development Corporation, and Famous Players. Budget, 686,000 US dollars. Box office, 1.3 million US dollars. Damn, so it did pretty good. It did pretty good. Um, screenplay, A. Roy Moore. Directed by Bob Clark. Cinematography by Reginald H. Morris and Albert J. Dunk. (laughs) Edited by Stan Cole. Music by Carl Zitriver. Where to watch? (laughs) (laughs) Currently you're able to watch Black Christmas streaming on FuboTV, AMC+, Fandor, Screambox, Shudder, and Midnight Pulp with Subscription. You can also watch for free with ads on Peacock, Peacock Premium, the Roku Channel, Tubi TV, Redbox, Crackle, Popcorn Flix, Pluto TV, and Freebie. Finally, you can rent or buy Black Christmas on Redbox, Amazon Prime Video, um, Google Play Movies, YouTube, Voodoo, Microsoft Store, Apple TV, and Alamo on demand online. Holy shit.
2: You can watch it everywhere.
1: Yes, even the refrigerator. <laughs> Ratings, 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb, hmm. 72% on Ralts and Tomatoes. <laughs> 78% on Just Watch Ado. Plot, during their Christmas break, a group of sorority girls are stalked by a stranger who leaves them threatening phone calls. Related media, Black Xmas from 2006. Trivia. 45 more on M. Dibidaba. Number one, the film is regarded as being one of the first slasher films, with The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974, A Bay of Blood, 1971, Psycho, 1960, and Peeping Tom, 1960, preceding this film. It set the layout for films such as John Carpenter's Halloween, 1978. However, director Bob Clark considered it to be more of a psychological horror film than a slasher film it's I could see where he thinks it's psychological mm-hmm. but it's a slasher yeah it's, it's a slasher uh, number two reported, reportedly writer Rory Moore took inspiration for the story from an actual series of murders that took place in Montreal, Quebec around the time of the Christmas season along with the urban legend the babysitter and the man upstairs number three According to director Bob Clark, the original script for the film featured murder scenes that were more graphic. Clark, however, felt that it would be more effective if the murders were toned down and kept subtle on screen. Writer Rory Moore liked the idea as well. Number 4. The film had only moderate box office success and negative critical reception when originally released. However, the film went on to have a large cult following. It has since received a critical reevaluation evaluation is now considered a classic. Number five. Despite its ominous themes and plot, Olivia Hussey reassured that the set was very light and happy, in a very light and happy place between takes, stating everyone got along with each other very well. She did, however, admit that Margot Kidder was rather distant from the cast and crew during the filming. Number six. A strict rule that Clark had set for himself when it came to writing the female characters was to never objectify them sexually or give them nude scenes. He wanted the college girls to come off as real people and not disposable horror characters waiting to die. Which, I will talk about that okay. later on. Okay. The original title of the film's script was Stop Me. It was director Bob Clark who came up with the title Black Christmas, saying that he liked the irony of something dark occurring during such a festive holiday. The title is also a tongue-in-cheek reference to the song and 1954 film, White Christmas. Number eight. The snow seen outside of the sorority house was actually fake because there had been surprisingly little snowfall during the filming. A foam material that was provided by the local fire department was used on the snow on the lawn, and according to cinematographer Albert J. Dunk, the substance actually caused the grass on the lawn to grow greener than ever the following spring. (laughs) Number nine. Nick Mancuso reprised his role as Billy's voice for an audio commentary as his character for the 40th anniversary Blu-ray release of the film. Number 10. Upon initial release of the film to the U.S., the title was changed to Silent Night, Evil Night because the American distributor feared the title Black Christmas might cause the film to be mistaken for a black exploitation flick. However, the film didn't do well under the new title and was changed back to the original Black Christmas title, after which it was a success. Cast. Olivia Hussey as Jess. Keir Dula as Peter. Margot Kidder as Barb. John Saxon as Lieutenant Fuller. Marion Waldman as Mrs. McHenry as Miss Mac. Uh, Andrea Martin as Phil. James Edmund as Mr. Harrison, not to be confused with Mr. Garrison, (laughs) Douglas McGrath as Sergeant Nash, Art Hindle as Chris, Lynn Griffin as Claire, Michael Rappaport as Patrick, Les Carlson as Bill. Uh, Michael Rapport, not Rappaport, not the the comedian Mike Rappaport, Mike Rapport, an, an actor. Not the comedian. I'm very sorry. Martha Gibson as Mrs. Quafe. Holy shit. John (laughs) Rutter as Laughing Detective. That's the best role of the movie right there. Dave Clement as Kogan. (laughs) Julian Reed as Officer Jennings. Nick Mancuso as Billy slash Phone Voice, uncredited. Bob Clark as Billy's shadow slash phone voice, uncredited. And Albert J. Dunk as Billy's POV, uncredited. Very nice. Thanks, man. I'm going to just put this fucking thing down here and I'm going to lean back for a couple minutes because, wow. So
2: I have the remake. The movie name is Black Christmas. With a runtime of an hour and 38 minutes. The release date was December thirteenth, two thousand nineteen. Really? Yeah. It's that recent?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Wow. Uh, produced by Jason Blum, Ben Cosgrove, Adam Hendricks, and Bridget Burn Burman. <laughs> Production companies: Blumhouse Productions and Divide Conquer. The budget: five million U.S. dollars. At the box office, it made eighteen point five million U.S. dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, screenplay by Sophia Takao and April Wolf. directed by Sophia Tikal. Cinematography by Mark Schwartzbard.
1: Hell yeah, his name is Schwartzbard.
2: <laughs> Edited by
1: Jeff Bettencourt. That's a cool name. Bettencourt. And Ben Baudhoon. Um yeah, yeah. Music
2: by Will and Brooke Blair. Where to watch. Currently, you're able to watch Black Christmas streaming with subscription on Netflix and Netflix Basic with ads. It is also possible to rent or buy Black Christmas on Apple TV, Amazon Video, Google Play Movies, (laughs) YouTube, Vudu, Microsoft Store, AMC On Demand, DirecTV, and Redbox. Surprise! Ratings, a 3.5 out of 10 on Indibaba, Mm -hmm. 40% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 47% on Just Watchado. Plot. During Christmas break, the women of Hawthorne College start being preyed upon by an unknown stalker. Riley, a girl dealing with her own trauma, decides to take matters into her own hands before her and her friends are murdered, too. Dun-dun-dun. Related media, none. Yep. Trivia. Nine more on Imdibiba. Number one. Universal Studios slash Blumhouse received a backlash after the first trailer was released for the film due to the extreme amount of spoilers within it. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Number two, according to Box Office Mojo, this film has the 28 worst, lowest opening weekend gross ever, only pulling in $1.8 million from 2,625 screens. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Number three, the address of the sorority house is 1974 Elm Road, both a reference to the year the original film came out and a reference to A Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984. John Saxton was in both films. Huh. Yep. Number four. The film received, received negative reviews from critics and audiences alike who criticized its writing, pulpy themes, PG 13 rating, overt political messages, and deviations from the original 1974 film. Uh, number five. Around the time Halloween 2018 was theatrically released, producer Jason Blum received backlash for saying that the reason there were no female directors hired by his company, Blumhouse, was because there were only. A few female directors and even fewer wanted to do hard. Blum apologized within 24 hours after coming under fire for his comments. Following that, Blum commissioned Sophia Takal to helm this remake for a 2019 release, making her the first woman in the company's history to direct a Blumhouse horror film. Huh.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Number six. This is the first black Christmas movie not to be filmed in Canada. Instead, the production was set in New Zealand. That's like the most opposite of a cold yep. place. Yeah. Uh, Number seven, Professor Gelson is inspired by Jordan B. Peterson and is meant to be an unflattering parody of him. The character was also based on Brett... Kavanaugh. Yep. Whose Supreme Court confirmation hearing with past allegations inspired the film. I have no idea who that is. Uh, Number eight, director Sophia Takau said in an interview that she wanted to explore the same premise as the 1974 original but with a Me Too-style twist and a celebration of the bonds of sisterhood. Between that and the PG-13 rating, horror audiences avoided the film, reviews were scathing, and it didn't do anywhere near as well as the studio hoped. Hmm. Number nine. The names of the leading characters, Riley, Marty, Chris, and Jesse, were intentionally picked for being unisex names. Lindsay, though, was named after feminist critic Lindsay German. Number ten. The film had a short and rushed production schedule, being completed in only about five months. This all includes pre-production, production, production, and post-production. In fact, some scenes in the film were shot in only one take and ad-libbed without a completed script. Jesus.
1: Really? They really gave a fuck about this movie. Wow. Yep. Uh, Cast. (laughs) Imogen Poots.
2: (laughs) As Riley. Elise Shannon as Chris. Lily Deneau Donahue There we go as Marty Brittany O'Grady as Jesse Caleb Eberhart as Landon yep. Carrie L El- Elwells Elwes as Professor Gelson Simon Mead as Nate Madeline Adams as Helena mm-hmm. Uh Natalie Morris as Franny Ben Ben Black as Phil Michael, McClaney?
1: McGillaney? Yep. McGillaney. These
2: names today, man. Yeah. And Zoe Robbins as Una. Uh, Ryan. Do you want
1: to give that one a shot? McIntyre.
2: As Brian Huntley. Mark Nielsen as Gil. Lucy Curry as Lindsey Hellman. And Johnny McBride as Black Mask. Man, those names were tough. Yeah, I apologize. Yeah. for all of that.
1: Yeah, it was all it was all very tough today on on both ends of the spectrum. Um, all right, so sheesh, Black Christmas from 2019 is the reason why people give remakes such a bad name. In my opinion, yeah. No. Um, the original Black Christmas, I'm scrolling up right here. Number six. A strict rule that Clark had set for himself when it came to writing the female characters was never to objectify them sexually or give them nude scenes. He wanted the college girls to come off as real people and not disposable horror characters waiting to die. This woman set out to direct a ultra-feminist movie. And failed to do that. The script wasn't complete. Real actors and actresses turned the movie down because the script wasn't complete. The only one that is credible in that movie is Carrie ills mm. And he's from The First Saw, Princess Bride, all those, you know. He's the only one with pedigree. Everything else about that movie is a goddamn travesty. The fact that they set it up the way they did with a secret cult and all this other ridiculous shit happening in the movie. They didn't need any of that. Mm. There, there was no, no fucking need in my opinion. I thought the movie was trash. It didn't do anything for fucking feminism. It made it worse because you... You backpedaled on a comment that you made, forced this woman to do this movie, didn't even have a finished script, nobody cared about it, and then you want to blame the female audience for not wanting to go see the movie, or the people that support feminism not want to see the movie. You made a fucking dumpster fire.
2: I was going to say, do we even really need our...
1: (laughs) No. Honestly, I I, I wrote it, but I don't think we need it. No. Um... The 1974 Black Christmas is is an amazing film Mm -hmm. because of what it accomplished with the little amount that it did. And I've always liked the movie since I saw it when I was younger. Margot Kidder is like my favorite actress of all time. Lois Lane. Lois Lane. I think she's one of the hottest females of all time. Um. You can fight me! I don't care. Uh, Horror Wars podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> if you want to send your correspondence, we'll kerfluffle over uh, Margot Kidder if you want. But uh, no, man, the cast, the cast in the original Black Christmas, the the story, everything—it was just so good.
2: It's one of the. It's one of those like plays on people are scared of their addicts sometimes. Yeah, and I'm sure that didn't help.
1: Right, no, didn't, and then of course there was somebody actually dead in the attic, so. (laughs) um, I know it's kind of like going to be a quick one this week with this because of this, Mm -hmm. but we have we have to do the bad remakes as well, you know. We've had a couple Um, episodes like that. We've had a couple episodes like this, yeah, where the remake is really just that. Fucking garbage mm-hmm. that there's honestly. I, do you see any redeeming qualities about the remake at all? No. Like, any. Mm-mm. um The 2006 one with D. Snyder. I. Or D. Wallace, not D. Snyder. <laughs> that would have been a completely different movie. <laughs> D. Wallace. They build it as a remake, but it was really just a sequel. Mm hmm. Um, you know, that, that at least took place in the same frat house, the same shit, the same, you know, stuff. It was still Billy. It was mm-hmm. still all that. But um, the 2019 one, man, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't even know why it was made.
2: I was say, the, the other one was uh, the one where he was in like a mental hospital, right? Mm-hmm. Or something like that. He had a, a sister or some mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. I think. But yeah, the, the, the remake for this one, bro. Nah. Yeah. But what do you, would you compare it to the farm?
1: Oh my God. <laughs> um, uh, no, no, because at least in the farm, like there was definitely fake arms and legs. and <laughs> You could tell that it was just like ripped off of a mannequin and stuff. And like, it was fake. With this, there was, there was like, there wasn't really anything about mm. the movie that was, like, oh, no. Nah. There was, was just nothing. Nothing about the fucking movie. Again, it was, like, the whole secret society shit killed it. Like, you nah, didn't it... need to have any of that. You didn't need any of that garbage. Like, it didn't do anything to empower women. It didn't do anything for anyone. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was an hour and 38 minutes of my life that I'll never get back. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Um. Is that all we got for those? Yeah,
2: one? dude, I got I got nothing.
1: Yeah, cuz this has been 20 minutes of like fuck this movie. Well, yeah. about 15 minutes of like fuck this movie. So, okay. All right. Um, we'll still put it up for a poll because hey, look. Just because we didn't like it doesn't mean that you can't like it. Exactly. If you like the 2019 Black Christmas more than a, the 1974 Black Christmas, cool. We support you.
0: Yep. Well. Oh. Horror Club. Each episode, we pick a film that complements the war. We then review it under a series of categories and ultimately tell you whether we think you should pass rent or buy
3: it was almost christmas but this christmas was darker less cheerful but i still believed in santa in magic and miracles and the hope that we could find joy again. But our village had given up on miracles and on each other. They had forgotten the spirit of Christmas, the sacrifice of giving. And my family was no different. I tried to help them to believe again, but we were no longer the loving family I remembered. They, too, had given up and eventually, so did I. And for the first time, I didn't wish for a miracle. I wished for them to go away. A wish I would come to regret. And that night, in the darkness of a howling blizzard, I got my wish. I knew St. Nicholas was not coming this year. Instead, it was a much darker, more ancient spirit. The shadow of St. Nicholas. It was Krampus. And as he had for thousands of years, Krampus came not to reward, but to punish. Not to give, but to take. He and his helpers. I could only listen as they dragged my family into the underworld, knowing that I would be next. But Krampus didn't take me, said night. He left me As a reminder of what happens when hope is lost, when belief is forgotten, and the Christmas spirit dies. Well, hey.
1: (laughs) It's time for Horror Club, our movie review done book club style. Let's discuss how this works. Much like with the war, we have a series of talking points that include acting, gore slash kills, directing, pacing, writing slash plot, killer slash killers, cast, and soundtrack.
2: If those categories sound familiar, it's because they are. (laughs) We basically use a lot of the same things we do from the war because we find them to be the simplest and best way to come to our conclusions. With that said, let's talk about it.
1: Movie name, Krampus, release date, December 4th, 2015, with a run hour of 1 hour and 38 minutes, Budget, 15 million U.S. dollars. Box office, 61.5 million U.S. dollars. Damn, Hell yeah. Production companies, Legendary Pictures, ZAM Pictures, Densu Inc., and Fuji Television Network Inc. Produced by Thomas Toll, the Tank Engine, John <laughs> John Jaschny, Alex Garcia, Michael Dautry, oh, and Michael Dautry. Screenplay by Todd Casey, Michael Dautry, Hope Woodward, Zach Shields. Directed by Michael Dautry. Cinematography by Jules O'Loughlin. Edited by John Axelrad. Music by Hell Douglas yeah. Pipes. <laughs> <laughs> Douglas Pipes did the music and John Axelrad edited the fucking movie. That is... There's some cool names, That man. is wonderful. <laughs> uh, plot. When his dysfunctional family clashes over the holidays, young Max is disillusioned and turns his back on Christmas. Little does he know, this lack of festive spirit has unleashed the wrath of Krampus, a demonic force of ancient evil intent on punishing non believers.
2: Starring MJ Anthony as Max Engel, Adam Scott as Tom Engel, Tony Collette as Sarah Engel, David Cockner. Yep. As Howard. Allison Tolman as Linda. Conchata, Farrell. <laughs> Farrell. George As Aunt Dorothy. Stefania. Is that right?
1: Yes, yeah, wow, Stefania. Stefania. There we go. Stefania Levy.
2: Owen. Wow. As Beth Angle. Krista Stadler D. D as Omi Granny Angle. What are these names? This Today? episode, holy shit. Yeah. Lolo Owen as Stevie. Queenie Samuel as Jordan. Maverick Flack as Howie Jr. Mark Atkin as. Whoa. What?
1: Ketro <laughs> Couture.
2: Sure. Sage Hoonfeld as Baby Chrissy. Leith Towers as Derek.
1: Leith, L E I T H. It's like if Mike Tyson was trying to say leaf. <laughs> Curtis Vowell
2: as D.H.L. Man.
1: D.H.L. Man,
2: yeah. like <laughs> Luke Hawker as Krampus in Superformer. Thor and Victoria as Rosie the Dog. Voices. Gideon Emery as Krampus. Seth Green as Gingerbread Man Lumpy. Breen Burns as Gingerbread Man Dumpy. Justin Roiland as Gingerbread Man Clumpy. Ivy George as... Perchta the Cherub, and Brett Beattie as Der Clown, a demonic jack-in-the-box. Must-read film fact. The movie's ambiguous ending has spawned two fan theories. One, that the Angles and their family are trapped in the snow globe, condemned to repeat Christmas morning for eternity, in a twisted version of hell, or two, they were given a second chance and the snow globe is Krampus' means of watching over them. Although writer-director Michael Dautry has refused to confirm which theory is true, the tie-in comic, Shadow of St. Nicholas, confirms that the happy ending is the true one. The comic has murdered characters and resurrected them without any hint of a twist, showing that Krampus is willing to give people a second chance as long as they prove they've learned their lesson. Holy shit.
1: Hell. Yeah. We are done pronouncing names today. With that, we are done pronouncing names holy shit balls my god we survived anyway so so, let's break this down here fucking krampus is awesome
2: it's a really good film i was surprised
1: is this when did you first watch it like this week oh this was your first time watching it okay wow so what a cast yeah dude what the fuck what a cast. Um, amazing cast, amazing visuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, when the movie came out in 2015, Justin Roiland was a great choice. Right, Hindsight being 2020, Justin Roiland was not a great choice. But the movie still provided so mm-hmm. much background into Austrian tradition while i was looking up the film facts for this movie it was really fucking hard for me to pick one like i wanted to do 10 facts mm-hmm. because when the camera pans out at the beginning of the movie and there's all those treats there and everything those are actually like traditional austrian desserts and things that are going on and omi is like is is doing the traditional austrian and you know everything the movie was really well done mm-hmm. In that respect, not to mention, I found out when when they' when she's running down the street and Krampus is chasing her, going mm-hmm. from house to house. It's different fucking horror movie houses.
2: Is it? I didn't even notice. Yes. I didn't even know
1: that until I did the research. And then I watched Krampus this morning after I did all the research for everything. Because like I told you, I've been up since 4.30 this morning. Mm. So I watched it this morning because I haven't seen it in a couple years. And I wanted to rewatch it again. And I was like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. I fucking love this movie. It's a really good film. It's a Mm -hmm. really good movie. It's Steve's favorite Christmas movie, I think. It's better than The Mean One. Oh my God. The mean one was... The mean one, I think, was probably beyond the farm level. Yeah. 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 But let's not talk about those those poo-poo doo-doo butters. (laughs) Let's talk about some real shit here. All right, so for acting.
2: It's really good. Bro, this is the first time, like, characters in a movie, especially a horror film, felt like real people. Mm -hmm. They argued and stuff, and then they got over it and then they were you know more friendly to each other it was fucking
1: weird it was weird it was definitely like how dare you show a family on television yeah you know like be real or whatever like um
2: i've noticed with a lot of like horror movies they always make families like hate each other like everyone just despises one another it's fucking weird and it like it started like that and i was like oh here we go and then they started all become like more friendly it was it was strange the acting was great
1: yep um directing Oh my goodness, dude! It's Michael Daughtry. Like he did Trick or Treat.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he's done a couple other movies since then. To me, he's just a phenomenal horror director. Yep, it's like in his blood. So, I thought the beginning of the movie with the uh, the the Black Friday sales and the beating each other up, and you know, I I was thinking to myself while watching, I was like, damn it really took us until, like, 2019 to get Black Friday right, where we weren't, like, just going into stores and beating the shit out of each other <laughs> every Black Friday morning at 3 in the morning for some fucking plastic toy or a television. Mm-hmm. You know, because back in 2015, it was still happening. Like, people were still getting trampled in 2015 over, like, the latest thing. <laughs> So, like, four years <laughs> after this movie came out is when we started to get Black Friday right. That is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, then you have the writing slash plot. Yeah. I mean,
2: it. I mean, Krampus, there's been plenty of Krampus movies. But, yeah. I mean, this one still did pretty fucking well. I mean, do we have ending in here? Or no? No, not for this one. I was going to say, like... They do like a double twist. Yeah. In a sense because you think that they're all dead. Right. And then you think that it was all just a dream and then you see that they're in the snow globe. So you yeah. you get two twist endings in a sense. So, yeah,
1: hey. Because as the ending's going and it reveals that they're kind of just like forced to do this mm-hmm. or they're like they realize that something is wrong. Yep. Because you do get that ambiguous ending. You don't mm-hmm. know what's really happening. So yeah, it, it, it the the dangle that they left us with was was pretty fucking top notch. Um the killer. Krampus. The only thing that was weird is like whenever
2: I think of Krampus, I think of like a like a goat, more, you know, a goat looking kind. Yeah. This looked more just like a just an evil Santa Claus, I guess. Which well, is fine, but still.
1: Well they didn't say this in the movie, but he's actually wearing someone's face. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. There, that goat monster is underneath of that. Okay. But he didn't reveal himself. He's wearing that mask. Uh, all right. So, because there's supposed to be a Krampus too, but mm. much like with, you know, Trick or Treat, we don't know when Trick or Treat 2 coming. That's been right. supposedly coming since 2009, but uh, it's 2023, and... We still have not gotten Trick or Treat 2, so don't hold your breath on Krampus 2 coming out anytime time this decade. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> uh, casting. Yep.
2: We've already said it.
1: Yep. Soundtrack. Meh. Your fingers cracking was uh, very poetic to happen at that moment. Um... Gore slash kills.
2: There really wasn't gore. I mean, they no. had the the dude who was frozen in his truck.
1: Yeah, but other than that, there wasn't like. And
2: uh, there was the, scary situations. I was gonna say, like when the dude got bit on his leg. I mean, yeah. Yeah, eh, it really wasn't over the top. It's not no. like anything to like worry about. I mean, it, it was good for for the movie. It was fine. Yeah, yeah. There you go.
1: Um, pacing.
2: I mean, it didn't drag at any point. No,
1: it was hour and thirty eight minutes. So right in that. Right in that sweet spot. Yep. Yep. Um, So all in all, what would you give this movie for the discerning, you know, horror movie fan?
2: I would say watch it at least once and watch it around Christmas time. Why not? You know, if you have the opportunity to watch a movie, Krampus is not a bad choice.
1: It's not. Um. So. You're definitely gonna say rent. Rent, at least. Okay. Um I would say look, this is one of those movies that fall into the category of if it's three ninety nine for rent, but you can go to voodoo and get it for five dollars that week, go to voodoo and get it for five dollars that week because you'll watch it every year. Yep. You will. It's Krampus, it's a good movie. Um there's not really much else to say, right? Like do you got anything else no. about it? It's a good film. It's a good film. All right. Um. Real quick before we're done with this segment. The one thing that I brought up earlier in this episode that all three movies had in common was all three movies are one hour and 38 minutes today. Every single fucking one of them notice. is one hour and 38 minutes. Wow. I didn't notice until I was done with the script and I sent it to you in an email. And as I was going over the email... I was looking at it, and I saw the 138 and then I was like, all right, then 138, and then I was like, what the fuck? Go back up. Oh, cool. They're the same one. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, my God, no. All three movies are an hour and 38 fucking minutes. I didn't even realize. Wow. Yep. <laughs> so that was that was the callback from this morning. Well, the, earlier
0: in the episode. Woo. The List of Doom. Each episode, we pick a theme to go along with the rest of the show. It's a top five list of movies, characters, events, music, or anything in between. Chip, you know what? You just made the list! Oh no! Oh, here we go.
2: (laughs) And welcome to the list of doom.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's been a long time since hearing that one, man. Um, alright. So, with this episode, we are doing top five Christmas horror films. That is... Very broad strokes, mm-hmm. you know, um, because as we've discussed in the past, you know, some horror could be considered kids, whatever have you. There's there's a long definition. So as with every episode, do you have a uh, honorable mention? I do not. You do not. Okay. I've got one. Okay. And it is Christmas Bloody Christmas from 2022. Literally an animatronic Santa goes crazy and starts killing people. And it's like this neon dystopian background and it's cool and it's awesome and it's on shutter. Hmm. Okay. Yep. (laughs) And as with every episode, we do our, uh, what the fuck? Chills. Jesus Christ. I couldn't remember his fucking name. We do our Chills tribute and we do our top five sound like a dumb idiot even though we don't hate him no hate no hate he sounds like an idiot though all right so what's your number five so my number five is actually santa
2: Slay from 2005 <laughs> look it's one of those films that grows on you because the first yep. time i saw it i was like "Man, nah, not for me but because we we uh, talked we about it, it last
1: year yeah we did it last year
2: but yep. i've recently rewatched it it's not a bad film it's not It's not it's, the best ever, but if you want a Christmas movie to watch, watch it.
1: The first 10 minutes of that fucking movie, yeah, are crazy as some of the best 10 minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> I have ever seen in a movie ever. Um <laughs> my number 5 is Gremlins from 1984. It's it's Gremlins. I, what hasn't been said. If you've never seen Gremlins, if you've never fucking you know (laughs) seen gizmo if you don't know about any of them then you need to go on to hbo max or go watch it on one of probably it's on demand somewhere because it's gremlins and it's amazing Mm -hmm. what's your number four my number
2: four is it's Fat Man from 2020. It's a Mel oh, Gibson. Oh, Mel movie Gibson fucking. Where a hitman is after Santa Claus and Mel Gibson plays Santa Claus. Yes. Yes. yes.
1: Okay. I have seen that movie, <laughs> it is absurd. <laughs> It was actually recommended to me by other Josh. Really? Yeah, he was like, dude, you got to see this fucking movie. And I was like, no. He was like, yes, no, you have to see this movie. And I was like, fucking absolutely not. <laughs> and then literally like a day before Christmas, I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll watch the movie. And I was like, oh, God, why is it actually good? <laughs> so, yeah, no, I that that's a good call right there. My uh, number four is Silent Night, Deadly Night from 1984. It's silent night deadly night garbage day you know kid goes crazy sees all the nut shit happen in his life dresses up as santa Uh goes on a murder rampage which we talked about before which we talked about last year in our very special christmas episode of horror wars because it was silent night deadly night versus silent night and uh santa sleigh was Mm -hmm. the uh horror tube or the uh horror club so yep What is your number three? My number
2: three is Silent Night from 2012.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. So the remake one. Yes. Yeah, that remake one was really good. Mm -hmm. That was one of the Christmas remakes that I really enjoyed. Um, My number three is... Violent Night from 2022. Very
2: nice. Yes. Which we
1: also discussed last Which year. Which we also discussed last year. I fucking love that goddamn movie. It was much better than The Mean One. No, way better. Um, way better movie. And, you know, David Harbour is fucking awesome. He did a kick-ass job as Santa. John Leguizamo was awesome yep. <laughs> as uh, uh, Ivy League, uh, Black Ops fucking... <laughs> asshole it was just (laughs) such a great movie so what's your number two my
2: number two is dead end from 2003 the movie takes place on christmas eve
1: Mm -hmm. yeah that's very nice man that's very nice um my number two is krampus from 2015
2: Honestly, that would probably be my honorable mention. It's Krampus.
1: Yeah, it's it's good. It's yeah. it's really fucking good. With that, what's your number one?
2: My number one is Violent Night from
1: 2022. Hell yeah, that is a good movie. It's a dude. good movie. It's a good movie. That's another
2: one. If you have the time to watch a Christmas film, watch it, please.
1: Yes, yeah, I agree. Um, and probably to nobody's surprise, my number one. My number one is Black Christmas from 1974. I fucking, I really like Black Christmas from 1974. Mm-hmm. I've liked it for quite a long time. I understand that the movie's not necessarily anything special, but I don't know. Just something draws me to it. A classic slasher, dude. Yeah. If that's all it is, then God damn it, that's all it is.
0: Horrors of Gaming. Each episode, we pick a theme to go along with the rest of the show. It can be a list dissection, or a game that stands out for us to discuss.
2: And welcome to the final segment of the show, and our gaming portion,
1: the Horrors of Gaming. Yeah. As with every episode, Josh writes up a fiery little piece. We discuss it, and he lets me name it. Today is no different. So we bring to you... It's the Parasite Eve! Got a feeling in your stomach and you know that it's coming for you. Leave your flowers and grieve. Don't forget what they told you. A. A. When we forget the infection, will we remember the lesson? If the suspense doesn't kill you, something else will. A. A. Move. Parasite Eve by. Uh, no, not Move La Parasite Eve by Bring Me the Horizon.
2: <laughs> so. Parasite Eve was originally developed and released by Squaresoft on March 29, 1998, and in Japan on September 10, 1998, in America. The game is a sequel to a Japanese novel of the same name. The story follows Aya from December 24, Christmas Eve, Mm -hmm. to December 29, 1997, as she attempts to stop the Eve, a woman who plans to destroy the human race through spontaneous human combustion.
1: (laughs) That would fucking suck, by the way. Parasite Eve was Squaresoft's first M-rated game and the first major American and Japanese game development collaboration for the company. Parasite Eve was considered a hybrid of Final Fantasy and Resident Evil. Parasite Eve's games director, Takashi Tokita, Tokita, described the game style as a cinematic RPG with its look and feel strongly alluding to an interactive movie-like experience.
2: The way fighting is done in Parasite, Eve is very similar to that of the Final Fantasy franchise. When not in battle, the player has the option of altering their weapons and armor attributes with tools and super tools, which are limited. And don't worry, there's a new Game Plus feature that makes the game even harder while keeping all of your items.
1: It's time to grab your gear, head into New York, and stop Eve before humanity becomes extinct. This game does not get enough credit. Mm -mm. Not at all. And it was originally supposed to be Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. Like th- this was Final Fantasy VII, and a lot of people don't know that. Like the legacy that this game really has, it's like Devil May Cry. Yep. Where Devil May Cry was supposed to be Resident Evil Four, but Devil May Cry took on a life of its own and spawned its own series, its own franchise, its own everything. Parasite Eve kind of didn't. There was a
2: couple other games, but. I've heard of them. I've heard so many like rumors about remakes all the time, but it just seems like it's never going to happen, which is weird.
1: Which is like Legend of Dragoon. Both of those games, Parasite <laughs> Eve and Legend of Dragoon, both are games that deserve remakes. Yep. Not remasters, remakes. Mm-hmm. Parasite Eve was an amazing thought process, gameplay was awesome. I was glad to see the commercials. Like and I remember the commercials when they were on TV. I remember them being on Raw. Like Really? Yeah. They I remember that? I remember them being them advertising the game on Raw. All that shit, dude. It was a good game. And I hate it. It's it's in that category of game where if you want to play an actual Playstation copy of it, be prepared to shill out like hundred and fifty bucks for it. Yep. You know? Um it's like Galarians. Do you remember Galarians or I no? I don't even know what that yeah. is. See, Galarians was another one of those games where it was an amazing game, did a lot for the gaming community, but just never got its flowers. Hmm. And I feel like Parasite Eve is one of those games. You know, there's, there's definitely a list of games that I have where it's like, man, these games are just not getting the fucking love that they deserve, and Parasite Eve is one of them. For yeah, sure, I agree.
2: You said everything I was gonna pretty much say. So.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. No, okay. What? What? When did you find out about Parasite? Like the game. Like when did you find out about it? A when lot, did you a play it? Like, ago. do you remember your first playthrough of it or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, I didn't understand it at all. Right, <laughs> I was super confused. It wasn't until many years
2: later when I finally was able to beat it, but. It's it's one of the most unique games because it, it's one that some people don't even consider a horror game. Yeah, you know, what I mean, I you know, I've always heard it be considered like more action. I
1: could understand that,
2: but I don't know. It, it's again, like you said, one of them games no one really talks about that
1: often. And yeah. It should be. Yeah. So, and I think it's horror. Like, I mean, yeah, you're you're trying I to make the human the human race fucking spontaneously combust. I'm pretty sure that that qualifies yeah. as horror. Um. W- did you play any of the other games? Because there's two more games I didn't play nah, either no. of the other ones. Mm-hmm. I heard horrible things about the second one. Oh, and, really? Yeah, and it made me not want to play oh. it. And then I heard the third one. I think it's just called, like, the third story. Or, oh, Third Birthday. Oh. It's called Third Birthday, and it's not even called Parasite Eve really? 3 or anything like that. But it is Parasite Eve 3. Oh, I've never even heard of that. Hmm. Yeah. It came out, like. 2016 or something or 2015 but it just wow yeah nobody's that's sad it is it kind of got like the silent
2: hill treatment where it was like really good and then just it went downhill from there
1: yeah speaking of silent hill i don't know if you saw but bloober team has been under the microscope lately because there hasn't been any news about silent hill 2 really yeah, because it was announced and nobody said anything. So all these fans are getting worried that the game is going to suck and that, that it's going to be a cash grab. And da, 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 da. And Bloober actually had to release a fucking statement saying, look, the game's on track. It's in development. We just don't have anything to say. Hmm. And Konami even backed them saying, no, everything's on track. We're exactly where we need to be. Can you guys just Yeah, just relax. Be you know, it takes time to make games. You say you don't want to pay $100 for microtransactions, and you don't want to pay for season passes, but yet you want to rush a game. Besides, people got to realize,
2: video games now are like movies. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of money that goes into these yeah. these games. Video so. games
1: are cinematic masterpieces. Mm-hmm. And that runs us right back to 1998, where Parasite Eve was a fucking cinematic masterpiece for that time in that era. Um, I guess, is there anything else that you need to say today? Uh, Chucky is in Dead by Daylight now. Chucky's in Dead by Daylight. You're absolutely right. Um, Which makes me happy. Also, Tiffany's in Dead by Daylight, too. And right before the show, I found out that there was, what, almost seven minutes of Chucky animation Mm -hmm. And six minutes of Tiffany voice lines. I don't know how much Chucky has, but you said that they talk a lot. Yeah. They actually, so, they're
2: like one of the first like killers in dead by daylight that talks and says more than just like one line of dialogue. Right.
1: Which is cool. Right. Um. I don't think there's anything else. No, not that there was I can a, think of. There was a lot of horror news. So go to macabre like for real. Because there was a lot of horror news. It was hard to pick through the four articles Mm -hmm. today. Um, So check those out for sure. I don't think I got anything else. Me either. All right. So um, I'm Rob. I'm Josh. And this is Horror Wars. Were we supposed to sing? Uh, I don't remember. I know we got to do "See a Two and Two Chuck Woolery. But I don't that, remember. That's
2: usually no. We don't. No, we don't sing.
1: We don't sing at the end. No. No. It's been a fucking month. Yeah. We should. We should be okay. <laughs> we should know this. It's only been a month. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys again. Two and two. Shout out the Chuck Woolery. All right. We love you. Thank you.
0: Bye. Bye. Yeah, we're supposed to do bye. 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 Thank you for listening. Again, my name is Lamont, and I appreciate you sticking around for this ending message. You can find me at Vilcado on Instagram. Also, be sure to follow Horror Wars on all social media platforms, including TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, and everywhere in between. If you want to leave a horror question, comment, or say something about the show, please drop us an email at horrorwarspodcast at gmail.com. See you next time, and remember, keep it classy with a dash of slashy.